Welcome to the Anchored by Faith podcast, a Reformed Baptist podcast with the goal to hold the scripture to be conformed to the image of God. My name is Colton Wright, and my co-host over here <laughs> is Logan Batisti, heading here for a take three. <laughs> oh. Three is a holy number. Yeah, I mean, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit so you can't go. get past the Trinity, so Just, maybe third is really the charm. Speaking of that, what is it a good analogy <laughs> that you like for the Trinity? Oh my goodness, how did we go from the last conversation to the <laughs> analogy? There is no good analogy that oh. I like to use for the Trinity. We were having a conversation the other day, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was pretty comical. I think we talked about it Wednesday night, how there wasn't really a good illustration nah. for it. No, I was talking with a co-worker. It's not to be named. Oh, not to be named. Not to be named. Is this the usual co-worker? This is the usual co-worker. Oh, okay. It's the, really the only other co-worker I work with. But anyway, uh, we were jousting back and forth, and I said to her, you have to think of the Trinity like ice and, and water. And <laughs> In which she screamed heresy at me, which was adequate. So, You have to think of it as a four-leaf clover. As a four-leaf clover. <laughs> That was a Except joke. It's a three leaf. Yeah, it's a joke, guys. I don't actually believe that. It's just uh, comical. Yeah, and I don't believe the three leaf <laughs> clover or anything either. It's partialism, Patrick. <laughs> exactly. Which, if we think about it, it's almost time for St. Patrick's Day. Oh, so we can watch that again. Exactly. I made the youth watch it. They didn't understand it as much. But I giggled <laughs> a lot. When you know uh, when you know church history and he's like that's Sabellianism, you're like ha, I know what that is. That's funny. It makes it. I mean, it I, I know it's heresy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, those little satire things are fun, but yeah, they're great. I think the my favorite one is the Star you know, C three P. Oh one. my gosh, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. I think you have a demon, <laughs> right? But you know, so I was gonna. I was thinking about this. Uh-huh. I was going to ask you this, and then I forgot, and then, thank goodness, this is the third take, because now I remembered it. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, we typically start off with some banter back and forth, but what are you reading? What am I reading What right are now? you reading? That's something I was thinking about. The only thing that I get to read right now is our Sunday school study book, Unoffendable, mm-hmm. and then... My commentary on John by A.W. Pink are the only huh. two things I get to read right now. So the A.W. Pink commentary is technically called an exposition of John. I got it through like a 43 set series on Kindle for yeah. like super cheap back a few years oh, ago. Oh, I remember you saying that. Yeah, because you were showing the he's he A.W. Pink's the attributes of God. Yeah, it has yeah. attributes. Yep. And then he's got cleanings in Joshua. And there's quite a few other things in there. I haven't actually got to finish reading through. Yeah, it's a lot of books. It's <laughs> quite a bit of books. <laughs> 43, many, I think. Whew. It's a lot of books. I'm, we're not Albert Moeller here. I can't, I don't read a book a week. Yeah, nope. And then I also got like the Moody Classic series too. Hmm. It's pretty good. Yeah. I've read a few of those books. And. Yeah, those are the big, nice finds I found on Kindle of like large collections for pretty cheap. Hmm. Okay, good. I think got some Puritan books on there too that weren't 
too terribly expensive. Either. No, you can usually find those pretty cheap. Yeah, I think it was like, like ninety nine cents a book or something like that. Um, oh, I cannot remember his name. I think it's Thomas Watson. I do have Thomas Watson's uh, uh, Doctrine of Repentance on there. He's the one that does. Uh, it's a, it's got a really long title, but it's Devotion Devotion of a Christian Life. I think it's got a much bigger title than that. But that's the it's got a very Puritan like title. Gotcha. And they boiled it down to this those words, but I have that on Audible. Cool. That's good. See, I, I haven't really gotten into Audible that much. Uh, the only, I like Audible. <clears throat> I used it for the Purpose Driven Church by yeah. Rick Warren. Mm-hmm. So how's the how's? <laughs> no, uh, we're not going to jump. Uh, oh no! Let, yeah. Let's not take that rabbit trail right now. <laughs> Do not take that rabbit trail right now. <laughs> if I said his name. <laughs> uh. So tempting. Anyway, I love I love Audible. <laughs> I, mean, I, I love Audible. I've uh, I actually find it helpful because I use it for school. Gotcha. And you use it for your textbooks that yep, you use. I use it for, for any textbook because I can be listening to my textbooks while I'm at work. Um, and I got the hard copy at home. I come home. I look at the hard copy, but I've been listening to it all day. So it kind of helps. Um, oh, cool. That's exciting. It helps. I don't know. I wouldn't say exciting all the time, but it, it helps. sounds like good use of your time. Sometimes, yeah, that you know, that is a good transition. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> that was very smooth. Trying to efficiently make sure we organize and stewardship that our a, time. That was a very timely timing of my time. <laughs> what in the world was that? <laughs> <laughs> but for those of you who don't know, um, we've been going over. Donald Whitney's Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. And tonight's chapter we're looking at is chapter 8, Stewardship for the Purpose of Godliness. And the way he starts off this chapter is from a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones. How often do we hear about the discipline of the Christian life these days? How often do we talk about it? How often is it really to be found at the heart of our evangelical living? There was a time in the Christian church when this was at the very center and it is, I profoundly believe, because of our neglect of this discipline, that the church is in her present position. Indeed, I see no hope whatsoever of any true revival and reawakening until we return to it. I think that's so true. I think how he hits it on the church, the quote about the church being basically time misplaced on an individualistic level. I think it's because we misplace our time and therefore corporately. You know, our time is misplaced, gen- you know, throughout. Right. And I mean, in the first take we did, we were, you were kind of asking me about time and how I look at it as in stewardship. And I kind of think I am one of the worst peoples at stewardship being my time. I'm a big procrastinator, number one, trying to be better and trying to actually make a routine for myself to follow. Mm-hmm. Like Mondays and Tuesdays are usually my deep study for Wednesday nights, Saturday nights and Sunday mornings usually end up being my quick study for like questions I'm going to ask in the text for Mm -hmm. the paper that I give out. And then Thursday nights kind of just depends. Like last night I was studying for this. So it seems like I've been studying a lot, but Thursday, Friday and Saturday are usually your nights that me and my wife study for our Sunday school class with unoffendable by Mm -hmm. Hansen, I think is what his last name is. Mm-hmm. I don't know his first name, but I just know the Hansen. Right. 
part. Now I got to look it up. That's funny. I do. Brent Hansen. Brent Hansen. I do the, so Monday, Tuesday is sermon prep with Monday being a slight off day. Monday's been kind of my more relaxed day where I just kind of chill. Right. A little bit of study, sermon prep, read over the passages, read the book. Tuesday is hard knuckle sermon prep, followed by Wednesday is studying. Well, Wednesday is teaching and then studying again for school. Right. And then Thursday is, oh, crap. All my work is due Thursday. Some of my work is due Thursday. So it's crunch time Thursday, Friday sermon prep, with Saturday being the other. I feel like you need to like swap Thursday and Monday or Thursday and Tuesday at this rate. Yeah. So you can actually get your work done before the day it's due. I feel like you're right, and I'm trying to get there. I see what you're saying. It's just my motivation tends to be the problem. Right. I mean... If we think about it, you're really procrastinating like I do. <laughs> yes. And you should probably switch that hard-knuckling sermon prep on Tuesdays for the hard-knuckling schoolwork on Thursdays. That way, it's really not hard-knuckling either way because yeah. you still have two days to do the schoolwork. You still have three days to do the sermon. I see, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. <laughs> My mind just, just tells me no. <laughs> Because, you know, it's like the beginning of the week. This is this is how my mind goes. The beginning of the week, like Sunday. So you all know, like, so I've been preaching this is the month of February. Right. And so it has been like super, my weekends are, are super packed because I have like Friday night is usually study, study, sermon prep. Saturday is 100% sermon prep and whatever schoolwork I can possibly squeeze in with sermon prep dictating it. And then Sunday is preaching, followed by schoolwork until I go to bed because I have to have everything in. Mm-hmm. And then Monday, I usually wake up and I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing nothing today. <laughs> That's pretty reasonable. <laughs> but, but I see what you're saying. But then at the same time, it's like when you open up God's word right? and you're trying to dis- dissect the passage, I'm really, uh, I'm really bad about I have to know. I have to project where I'm going to be gotcha. or it just is like a looming cloud over my head. Right. But so now you kind of got to look into our weeks and how yeah. we're bad at the stewardship of our yeah. time. Oh my goodness. Oh. But I also see like now I'm getting older of how important it is to discipline the use of our time because I know how much of it I waste to scrolling through Facebook yeah. or even watching movies or watching TV or even playing around with my daughter sometimes, which don't get me wrong is mm. important, but there are definitely w- too many times that you can spend too much time playing around and being slothful. Then, Yeah. Well, for me, I've been under the conviction because of all my schoolwork and my studying that, you know, your child's growing up and you really, you don't get those moments as often, you know, and the older they get, they, they grow and you only get that once. And so it's like a, uh, it's, it's the juggling act right, of being a good steward of God in his word and then being a good steward with what he's blessed me with. 
and trying to delicately and then making the use of this time with right. my child, not next to my child on Facebook, but actually right. spending time with my child. Yeah. Teaching and, him godly things. Right. And this is gonna be a great example of why we both believe in multiple elders leading a church. Mm-hmm. And probably multiple people preaching on Sundays rather than just one person throughout the whole year. It alleviates because God has given people, given men in our positions, more responsibility with teaching, yes, but also ministering to your family. Right. And those are, when it comes to time, you can be ministering well and failing in your family. And you can be discipling your family well mm-hmm. and failing as a minister. Right. Absolutely. So, the disciplined use of time. He's got about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten different subheadings yeah. throughout this. But the first one kind of really caught me off guard. It says, use time wisely because the days are evil. Now, if I tell you that, like, what do you think comes to the top of your head? If I said, because the days are evil, you need to use your time. Mondays. (laughs) Mondays come to my mind. But as my boss would say, every day is Friday. (laughs) That's a lie. (laughs) And the worst day it is, is a Tuesday afternoon. It never goes to Mondays. (laughs) It's true. I had a poor... I walked in one time to work. Was, if everyone's ever worked with me, like Roman will know, I, I'll goof off and I'll be like, well, thank goodness it's Friday. <laughs> and it'll be like, was And one day we were working all day and I had her to believe in it was Friday. It was not Friday. <laughs> that is terrible. <laughs> it was, and, yeah, it was. I felt bad at the end of the day. Right. But we're. Donald Whitney get this from is Ephesians five fifteen through 16. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. What does that make you think of the when the days are evil? I mean, it kind of just reminds me of the state that the world is in right now. I mean, this God hasn't, completely redeemed us yet he's not come Mm -hmm. back for his bride and the days are evil so we need to use our time wisely because part of the reason we're here on earth is to proclaim the kingdom of god Mm -hmm. is coming and there's still more people to proclaim to Mm. and it definitely requires a good use of our time to even think about that i think do we want to go in order here yeah Okay, okay. Might as well try to. I won't jump ahead, sorry. (laughs) It's really hard. Right? I'll just shut up. (laughs) I'll save what I was going to say till later. Go for it. (laughs) Okay. I was like, there's a lot even here in the world that really likes to distract our mind, right? Mm -hmm. Especially from the flesh. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you think about the world that we live in. It's mainly focused around like... Not, I don't want to say evil, but like desires of what well, we selfishly want, which I, was, I guess is evil. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> when it comes to today, it's selfishness, right? You know, it's it's so self centered that wasting time 
on herself seems fine. Right. It's actually kind of glorified in society today. You need you time. Time to be yourself. Right. But the sad thing is, is you're deceitful. <laughs> yeah. Our hearts are very <laughs> deceitful. deceitful. But, I mean, it's why even in Colossians 3, 2, we're urged, set your minds on things that are above. I mean, yes, we're here on earth, but we're told to think about what's going on in heaven, that our end goal is to think about spiritual things. I mean, we're told to walk with a purpose here and that we're of this world, but we're not of this world. <laughs> yeah. We're in the world, but not of it. Yeah, that's the way I want to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are in the world, moving through the world, but our slothness, our uh, procrastination can cause those days to seem so despicable because we've lost that advancement of God's kingdom. Right. And I mean, it really turns us away from using our time wisely to prepare for eternity. Mm -hmm. I mean... Which you think about our Christian life growing in sanctification and growing and to be more conformed to the image of God. Right. <laughs> that is a institution that is for all eternity. Right. I mean, right now, me and my wife are kind of looking into a group to help us learn about wealth and making wealth. But... Invest, give me $200, and I'll double it in six months. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. But we're thinking about those ideas and thinking about investing in later times, preparing for our later years. But mm -hmm. at the same time as Christians, we have to remember that it doesn't end here when we die. Like, yes resources and things can be important to set up now to be good stewards. But at the same time, we're also preparing for a longer life afterwards. Mm -hmm. I mean, one that we're going to spend way more unlimited time in. Yeah. <laughs> Where the days aren't evil. Right. The days aren't <laughs> evil. And everything is yeah. as it should be. <clears throat> and everything. Yeah. Like, Everything that we're going through is, is in preparation for eternity. And the realization that the time that we have here on this earth in light of eternity is short. It's a very small window that we have to make an impact in this world. Right. Uh, Donald Whitney provides a good illustration. He says, as a relatively small rudder determines the direction of a great ocean ladder, so that which we do in the small span of time influences all eternity. Yeah. You think of people that we read about today that, like Jonathan Edwards, what a massive impact that man had on Christianity. Right. And the king, you know, the kingdom of God. Uh, Martin Luther, who single-handed, I mean, okay, not single-handedly, but you know what I mean. He changed the course of human history. Really? Right. I mean, another influential person who is pretty young, um, if you think of Machane from Scotland. Yeah, he didn't live very long, but if you ever heard of anything, like the Machane reading plan is, and I haven't gotten to study into his impact, but he's definitely a name that I've ran into a couple of times and read a little bit about. Uh, you think of 
I mean, you can go on and on and on of the people that. Is it like Jeremy Brainerd? Is that what David is Brainerd? David Brainerd. Yep. Yep. And Jonathan Edwards even wrote about him as he was. This man was dying in his house, yeah. writing his autobiography of how he was witnessing the Native Americans. Yeah, I think I recall. I got his biography in there, and it's on the ever-growing reading list. But how he got frostbite from a, from exposure because that was his desire to preach the gospel to Native Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, it's puts a puts in perspective how urgent he thought it was to make his time useful. Right. You know, time really is short. Yeah. I mean, oh, it makes me think of the movie that has Justin Timberlake in it where, like, their lives are based on time, essentially, and, like, time is their currency for everything. Oh, I don't know. I can't think of what the name of the movie is. But, I mean, it really shows you they can stay young forever, Mm -hmm. but you have to be good stewards of your time because if you use it all you die mm-hmm. and it's kind of as important as gold and diamonds mm. yeah i mean you could have it for eternity it wouldn't be as precious yeah i mean james four fourteen really sums it up you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes you are but a vapor mm-hmm. i think it's the king james that says that Yep. I like the way it says it, which goes on, you know, time passes, right? passes quickly. You'll but, never have this moment back. Right. And I mean, we think about it too, and it's really true. The older you get, the faster time passes by. I mean, we're yeah. already almost in the third month of 2023. Oh, I thought you were oh. going to say how old we were. No. <laughs> <laughs> I panicked for a second. I was like, don't say that. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> But we're already almost a quarter of the way through the year already. Well, you start thinking of people will laugh because I know we're not old (laughs) compared to some people's standards. But, you know, I've been out of high school. This will be... This is 10. This will be 10 years. Yep. It though, it... I don't even... It hit me that I've almost been out of high school longer than... Or, sorry, I've almost been out of school longer than I was in school. It's fastly approaching that in just a few more years. So that seemed like an eternity that I was actually in school. Right. And it's kind of like a sand glass. Like you can't, I mean, sand glasses you can turn to make the sand come back and forth, right? Uh But the sand in this hourglass is tipped straight up and down. And there's a set time of when it's going to end. And it's definitely going to end one day and we not be able to change it back at all. No. And because time is passing so quickly, because it flees from us so so fast, it really does make everything you know, uncertain. Right. Because you don't ever know. the Anyone that's had a, a quick death in a, in a family or anything along those lines, you realize that you... Typically, you know, you you can know someone's passing away, but it's the ones that you don't know. It makes you value life. Right. I mean, it's those instances of one car wreck away, one Mm -hmm. accident on a football field. Mm -hmm. 
that freak accident that comes out of nowhere. I mean, there's multiple situations where death is just breathing down our necks and mm-hmm. we don't even know it. And mm-hmm. then comes and snatches us away. I've done a lot of really stupid stuff in my life. <laughs> and so death has been very near, but God has been good. <laughs> God has definitely been <laughs> God good. God has been good. Right. Like, uh, like, uh, what was it? Getting pulled behind a side by side in the snow. <laughs> On a grill lid. Anyway, that was fun. That what are you was, talking about? That was fun. We had. We a weren't anywhere near death in that situation. <laughs> Considering who was driving, death was at our death at the door. <laughs> right, but I mean, we think about. You can think about a celebrity or a famous athlete who's just recently passed away unexpectedly. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, there's lots of situations that this will bring to mind, and yet, even though we make plans for time mm-hmm. we're not always allowed to see those plans through all the way yeah which is a good reminder that even if we make the best use of our time once we lose that time we can't regain it no it's gone it is it is that vapor right is that vapor you the vapor's gone you can tempt to grab it but you'll never You'll never, you'll never get it. Right. I mean, Donald Whitney reminds us, many a man has declared bankruptcy only to amass an even greater fortune later. Mm. Or even if you think of Job. Yeah. Job started off with everything. God allowed the devil to take almost everything away but the man's life. Mm-hmm. And then afterwards, he had an even greater fortune. <laughs> Have you seen Tim Hawkins on that? No, I haven't. <laughs> it's, oh, it's funny. Rob Rob showed me it at church. It was really funny. Oh, nice. But, I mean, think about it. We must work the works of him who sent me while his day. Night is coming when no one can work. I mean, that's a pretty big thing in John is talking about walking in the light because when the light goes away, yeah. you, can't, you can't walk in the light anymore. No. And there was a time where Jesus was telling them, yes, you need to walk while I'm here now because there's a time where I'm going to go away. I mean, granted, you get to see the faith grow. You get to see the spirit come. But But he was the light, the light that shineth in all men. Right. And they did not receive him. And once that that time is gone, it cannot be regained. It, it It is lost. But even though it's lost, does that mean that we are, yeah, how, do, how do I word that? If we are neglectful in our time, does that mean that we're accountable for our time? Yeah. I mean, even before we get to that, like reading from Paul in Philippians three thirteen fourteen, 14, it says, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So yes, we're pressing upward for the call in Christ because yes, we are accountable to God for our time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Romans fourteen twelve says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. I mean, Christians and non-Christians are going to be accountable. Everyone's going to be judged for how they use their time here on earth. Yeah. When you think of the parable of the minus 
you know, or talents, or talents. Yeah. yeah, I I give you know I gave one some and, and so on and so forth. You, you gave one, and then more and more and and one tripled it, one doubled it, and then the other one buried it. That does boil down to stewardship of time. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything with the time you gave me. You could sub out time for that. I took it and 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 doubled what you would you know twice as effective three times as effective i did nothing but i sat down and and knew that you were a you know a a rough ruler Uh, we are accountable just as he was accountable to what god had given him through the talents yeah i mean we really think about what we've already said through here and how time is so short how time is passing and we have to think about what is the purpose of us here on earth or even thinking about let's put an illustration of work right and professionalism learning an instrument like Mm -hmm. you have a goal when you're practicing for an instrument practicing for a sport even practicing for a job your goal is to get better at it is to follow those lines till the end. And for the Christian, our ultimate thing that we're going to be judged by is how much of our life do we spend towards the purpose of being conformed to the image of Christ? Like Mm -hmm. it's not something that we can just one day go down to an altar and say a prayer and that be it. I mean, the whole purpose of our life is to repent and become disciples and learn everything that Jesus has taught. Mm -hmm. Take up our cross and follow him. Right. I mean, it's where we learn how to start off with milk and not solid food. As Paul writes Mm -hmm. in Corinthians, flip or Hebrews. Is that Hebrews? Mm -hmm. You should be on solid food. Oh, Okay. Unless you're going to say it's not Paul. Okay, you're right. All right. Well, here's what Hebrews says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. So, obviously, there's a time for growth. Mm -hmm. And there's time to follow it through. I mean, Jesus even tells us in Matthew 12, 36, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really puts into perspective of how important this is. And we've already talked about it too, of even showing that example through the illustration of the talents being given to the three servants. Well, when you think of why is, why are we accountable to everything? Well, the reason we're accountable is because God has blessed us with all this. Right. It is not as if you are a simple person walking around in a universe that doesn't care about you. You have a God that created you. You have a God that uh, sent his son in the world to die for you, to atone for your sins, to give you the very breath that you breathe while you're wasting your life away. He's still extending grace and mercy to you. So all of this is out of love and the the TV that you're using to waste your time is a TV that God essentially created. God created the people. You know, that was part of his plan. All this stuff is part of God's world. And 
you aren't cultivating it for him. Instead, you're wasting away in your own selfish passions. Right. I mean, we are creations who were created for a purpose to use and not for our own selfish desires, but to willfully follow him. When you think of the sin in the very, the, the sin in the garden, uh, it wasn't eating the apple, but it was the disobedience. Right. We are told to, commanded to, the first commandment, to have no other gods besides him. And where do you know, where do you know um, where your allegiance lies? Mm-hmm. You know by how much things you sacrifice to said thing. If someone were to take time, because time is a massive sacrifice, and placed it on an altar, what would the altar be? Would it be God's altar, or would it be the altar of your self-seeking passions? Right. Would it be, if if, if your time was a material thing, where would it be placed on the altar? Right. I mean, think about it. If you could view it on your wrist like that movie, where would the most time that you would draw out be given to. Because mm-hmm. you, when you put it in that perspective, I don't think there's really any one of us that would say, yeah, I, I would feel wonderful with the time that I have sacrificed to God. In comparison, you'd probably think, I need to dedicate more. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to think of how easily we lose it. Mm-hmm. Right. And that we lose it to things such as scrolling through social media, watching those nice reels and funny reels sometimes, mm-hmm. or even our favorite TV shows and movies. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about Avatar 2. I mean, that movie's three hours long almost. Mm-hmm. And that's not just the icing on the cake. I mean, there's multiple other movies that are like that in perspective. And we spend time like trying to binge a whole episode series in a week. Yeah. When you add up how long how long do you spend scrolling through Facebook? How long do you spend staring at the refrigerator for something to snack on? How long do you spend you know staring off into space? I mean, all the things but you can't dedicate even five to ten minutes to God throughout your day. And really, we should be dedicating way more than that. Right. But I've heard many people say, I just don't have the time to do X, Y, Z. Right. Well, I think if you did an audit on the amount of time you spend throughout your life on other things, you would see that do. Right. You're just not allocating your time properly. Right. And essentially like a big important reminder, I mean, you can tell where your idol is by where your time is spent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even if you spend a lot of time doing something that can still become an idol, but how much time you spend doing something can definitely show you, start the path of finding where you're setting idols up in your life. I think it was when it, Slight, small detour, but it's going to make a big picture. It's going to make it back. It's yeah. going to make it back. I think it was Thomas Rainer's book, Tom, Tom Rainer's book, 
uh, Simple Church, I believe. I could be wrong because a lot of his books blend together with me. Anyway, on one of his books, he mentioned that he was going through a church budget. Mm-hmm. And the church's vision statement was uh, to like seek the lost or something like that. Was I can't remember exactly. Right. And he was going through the church's financial statements. And he says, are you aware that um, your vision statement is to be an outreach to community? Yeah. Yeah, we get that. You realize, I'm just going to make up numbers because I don't remember what he said. He's like, you realize that you allocated you know, $5,000 last year to that. Yeah. Yeah. I say, okay. But do you realize that you spent 10000 on this subject over here? And they were like, oh, y- yeah, we spent a lot of money on that. And he's like, so, but you're telling me the whole mission of your church is this, but you only spent five grand. In reality, your money says this is what your priorities are because money, time, hand in hand, tend to go where your priorities are. Right. Your money, your time is not saying that you go with this. This is not your life statement. Right. This is what it is. And the church, in that situation, it wasn't a sinful thing. It was just a... It was just a, a different ministry goal. But right. in our lives, when we do that inventory check, we say that we're Christians, that we're bought by the blood of Christ, and yet if we did an inventory check, we're probably more in line with how much you know a Netflix membership than we are our Bible. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, and Donald Whitney kind of reminds us of this, except for the fool, no other character in the book of Proverbs draws the scorn of Scripture like the slothful sluggard. Mm. And he what says, did he say? The sloth, the slothful man. Ah, oh, it's in Proverbs. Plunges his hand into the bowl and does not bring it up to his own mouth. Something like that, I think. Yeah, I have, I have to look that up. But yeah, it says the sluggard says according to the Proverbs twenty six thirteen through fourteen. There is a line in the road. There is a line in the street. As a door turns on its hinges, so does a sluggard on his bed. I mean, sluggard is the one who will tell you that the sky is falling, the sky is falling, and not be able to get out of the way. So the slothful man hideth his hand in his bosom and will not so much as bring it to his mouth again. A lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much as to bring it to his mouth again. That's the New King James Version. Gotcha. Okay. Like the way that. So. I mean, it's so easily that... Proverbs 19.24, sorry. Yeah. So easy that we can lose that time. Mm -hmm. And when we don't even think about it in those instances, because we like to rest. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are times where you need to relax and rest in God and rest in... See, that's that's the qualifier, though. Right. In reality, we should rest in the Lord. The whole, one of the main thrusts of the book of Hebrews that I love so much is the concept of resting in the Lord. You know, we're not resting from, we're not resting by sitting in our recliner with our feet up. We're resting in the Lord. That means in his word. That means doing the things that he's told us to do, not doing what we want to do. Right. I mean, this kind of makes me think of one of those moments of, of 
when I was listening to Paul Washer and he talked about how he went to this to this one revival. He listened to the preacher and the preacher's like preaching the spirit or he says this one thing over and over again. And then Paul at the end is goes up to the pastor at the end. He's like, but what does it mean to do that? Well, you don't know what you're talking about because you need to do this and said this. And then there's a Christian who was older than him at the time and says to the revivalist, is like, you didn't answer his question. Like, he literally asked you what it is, and you've kind of just like redirected and said that what it is you're preaching about defines what it actually is without telling us how to do it. Yeah. And that's kind of one of those things is like we really need to understand and learn what, how to spend our time better in rest. Mm-hmm. I mean, because there are times that we like to unplug our minds. <laughs> oh, we do. We, we do like to unplug our minds. We like to sit up with our with our feet up in the recliner and think, I'm resting scrolling through Facebook. Right. I'm resting by watching a TV show. And I'm not saying you shouldn't. It's bad to watch TV shows or any of that, depending on what TV show you're watching. It, but That's a caveat for sure. Yeah. Caveat. <laughs> niche in there. But there does come a thing where if, that takes a higher priority in your life than reading your Bible, then maybe it is. Right. And it's really easy to think about that. And as we lose time, as we get older, it's not until we're towards the end of our ropes that we realize how important that time was and how we value time at death. I mean, think about it. Um, the thief on the cross and Luke really understands by that point in time as they were going to die that Jesus didn't really belong there with them that he really was the son of God or even if you think of as Donald Whitney will point out the words of Thomas Hobbes if I had the whole world I would give it to live one day I mean or the song from Tim McGraw, Live Like You Were Dying. I mean, mm-hmm. it's you realize how important it is to do those things as your time spinning out to go skydiving, mm-hmm. bull riding, and all these other bucket list items you have. Would your, if you knew that you were going to die tomorrow, would you live different? Absolutely. You know, Why? Because they're could build up wealth all I wanted, but it's not going to matter anything if I'm going to die tomorrow. And so it boils down to the impact that you have with every moment, every second that you have right. for death. The, the The brief amount of time that you have seems so much more important in light of your death. Right. I mean, I think of like some of the famous invitations that people or I don't know, famous invitations, but like some of the things I've heard of somebody snapping their fingers and saying like every second somebody's dying or something mm-hmm. like that. And this is how important it is. And granted, yes, that is the very truth 
of our world is that there's somebody who, who's dying every few seconds, if not every second. And that it is reality that you could be worshiping with lots of people in that room. And then not even 30 minutes later, something happened to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. That is a real reality, but it really kind of to show you how important it is to come to Christ, to think about eternity mm-hmm. because that's what we were made for. Yeah. There's an, the value of eternity without, without the view that what we do in this life has an impact. You really just sit down like, so I just read um, Macbeth because I had to. Macbeth by Shakespeare. Oh, okay. I was like... And he's got the, the famous oh, speech. Right. Of where he's holding the skull. Uh, I don't know if that's... I think that's Hamlet. Oh, that might be Hamlet. You're right. It could be, but no, it's the tomorrow. Okay. He says, you know, everything's come trash down. He says, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty place from day to day to the last syllable of recorded time. And all our yesterdays have lighted fools. The way to dusty death, out, out, brief candle. Life's but a walking shadow, a poor player that struts and frets his hour upon the stage and then is heard no more. It is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury and signifying nothing. When you think without the real, realization of the, the value of eternity right. in your life... I think you're set with what Macbeth said. Mm -hmm. It is but a brief second and then gone. But if your time matters in this world, if your time is valuable, if it has an eternal impact, then there really is no greater currency than time, like the movie you mentioned. Right. I mean, let's think of going back back to biblical points, you go to Luke chapter 16 verses 22 through 25 where Jesus is telling a parable or a story depending on your interpretation of a rich man who went to Hades and of the poor beggar Lazarus who goes to Abraham's side. Jesus tells how the rich man being in torment lifted his eyes towards heaven and could see the poor man and asked Lazarus to dip his hand into the water and cool his tongue. But Abraham comes to Lazarus' side and says, uh, Remember how you treated this man in your life? And how this poor man had sores and had dogs licking his sores, and that's all the kindness he got. Mm-hmm. But then the man's like, Send Lazarus back to earth so he can witness to my brothers. And even then, Abraham said, even if this Lazarus went back, they still would not listen. And it's really shows importance to us of, yeah, this life really does steer what's going to happen in eternity. I think Whitney asked a really good question. And thinking about that, what would those like this man who have lost all opportunity for eternal life place on the time you have right now? 
Richard Baxter asked, Doth it not tear their very hearts forever to think how madly they consumed their lives and wasted the only time that was given them to prepare for their salvation? Do those in hell now think them wise that are idling or playing away their time on earth? Oh, man. And like, so I heard this from the John Piper sermon. I was trying to find it. I found it. Oh, nice. Thank goodness. Um, John Piper gives the wonderful sermon, Don't Waste Your Life. You know, his wonderful sermon. Mm-hmm. But he says this in there. Uh, I think he reads the whole thing, but I'm just going to read the, the last half of this poem. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I'll know I'll say, twas worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When you think, I know that poem, but I can't place it. You think of all eternity, everything that we build on Christ's foundation. That means our life as a living stone in that wall. You know, you don't see you don't see many walls where the stone comes out and then walks around for a while and then jumps back in the wall. We are built, mortared, fixed in the wall of the foundation of Christ's church, and that's the only thing that will last through all eternity. Well, even sticking with the whole John thing, you think of Jesus saying, I am the vine. Mm-hmm. I mean... What happens if you take a branch away from the vine? It doesn't exactly live by itself. I mean, no. it, it doesn't get the nutrients it needs on its no. own. It dies and withers. Mm-hmm. It is cut off. It's cast off from its from its source, from the life itself. Right. And even as Christians, it's so more so much more important because we forget the ideas of what Paul has said in 1 Corinthians 6.19. Through 20, you are not your own for you were bought with a price. I mean, the idea of your life and your time belongs to God now. Yeah. It's not his life. It's not your life. It's his life. Right. And it, it's become his time that mm-hmm. we're setting up. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of like, I don't remember where I saw it. It's probably in here. But they talked about Joseph and Potiphar. I mean, Joseph is eventually put to where he's in charge of Potiphar's house. He's put in charge of the guards. He's even put in third place in Pharaoh's kingdom, correct? Mm -hmm. But, I mean, all those times he could have used for his own self-interest, right? Yeah. But in those situations especially in Potiphar and the Pharaoh's house, he's supposed to serve in the best interests of the Pharaoh, of Potiphar, and serving in the interests that they would want, not his own. Mm-hmm. And he did it, and it cost him nearly his whole life. Right. I mean, granted, he did it, God had a plan and moved him to where he would want to be, but Joseph was willing to follow through with that. I think Joseph's life parallels our life so much. Where we, when we come to salvation, uh, we are promised the end result of sanctification. We are, we are promised that we will be sanctified, that we will be glorified, uh, that we will be conformed to the image of God. But in reality, 
that doesn't always look the way we think it does. No, it, it's not as easy as cookie cutter. Hop, jump, skip over yeah. the river. and No. Sometimes it involves us getting thrown in prison and forgotten about for a few years before somebody's like, hey, yeah, I think I remember that guy now. Right. Or it looks as if you've been thrown into a hole by other people and then sold off. Yeah, sold off to slavery. <laughs> yeah, by those that love you. Right. Well, are su- supposed, to, <laughs> yeah, love supposed you. to love you. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, thinking along the story of Joseph and how he's in charge of stewardship, but he's also in charge of resources of money, right? Mm-hmm. And this is a big taboo. Taboo is the word I'm thinking ah. of. Taboo thing to talk about in the Christian world. It is. How dare you tell me how to spend my money? Right? I mean, you either tithe, listen to Dave Ramsey, (laughs) or don't really think about how to use your money at all. Yeah. Uh, That's probably like some super broad like generalities there but but it's true and it's not it's not even don't mean like you need to sign your paycheck over that's not you know that's not good stewardship but where is your money where is it at is your money more focused on your own desires in life or are they focused on uh something else i i remember a story i wish i could remember where i hear stories i think it was what a pastor was was preaching one time and he mentioned how a family of three went out to to dinner in a movie or went out to movies Mm -hmm. and uh it was 15 dollars you know per person so on and so forth and they went inside and they got some popcorn it was another 20 bucks so you know they're three people it's Forty-five bucks. bucks. Yeah, right we're now. sixty-five bucks, and so on and so forth. Uh, Sunday comes around, offering plate comes around, and mom takes out her wallet, gives him the kid a twenty, and he throws in the offering plate and says, "Wow, mom, I didn't realize that church was cheaper than the movies." But that's how we think of. That's. Are we not guilty of it? Yeah, absolutely. And I was kind of thinking it's one of those moments where, like we do that kind of laugh because we're hiding the guilt and shame behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause we all bow our heads and we're like, yeah, we've done that. Absolutely. I think it really hits home too of what Paul says in first Timothy. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Yeah. I mean, how we use money for ourselves, for others, and especially for the sake of God's kingdom is from first to last a spiritual issue. Man, Whitney, that is a really good statement. Yeah. Think about your wife. Would you mistreat your own body? As it says in Ephesians, would you mistreat your own body? Or no one that mistreats their own body loves themselves. You know, if you loved your wife, you wouldn't mistreat her. It kind of goes economically, too. If you love someone, you'll lavish them with things. I'm not saying it has to be. I don't want this to sound like you need to donate your money to the church. That's not what I'm saying. But even within your own family, if you aren't willing to help out your wife, if you're not willing to help out your grandpa that's sick or your grandma that's sick, instead 
you're failing with this, the ministry that God has blessed you with. Because right. your family should be your, really the first outreach. Right. Those should be the ones that you lavish your love on first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, a man who says that he is a godly man and yet preaches three sermons on Sundays, teaches you know five hours on Wednesdays, and spends 60 hours a week in Bible study and yet won't give his children the time of day is failing. Absolutely. If he won't, if he will take his buddies out to play golf and a steak dinner, but won't take 10 minutes and take his wife out to McDonald's. That's not, that's not love. That's not, that's not compassion. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I think we realize or don't think about how much our money talks about where our heart is. Mm-hmm. The thing that I can think about is, this isn't even the right way to say it, but because we all know it this way, the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. And how, of course, he's propping himself up for being such a good leader and isn't even asking Jesus the right questions. Mm-hmm. Anyways, because he's actually looking to become a disciple. But Jesus tells him, sell all your possessions and you can become a disciple. And the man goes away with his heart broken and desires because this man has built up so much wealth mm-hmm. that he doesn't know what to do with it. I mean, he knows what to do with it, but like doesn't want to give it all up to follow Christ. Mm-hmm. It was worth more to him than any relationship he could have. Right. I mean, even think about Acts where... Ananias and Sapphira? Uh-huh. Yep. I had the Sapphira part, but I couldn't <laughs> think of what his name was. I mean, they sold their land and kept up back a portion of it and then lied no. to the church about it. Peter says, did it not still remain your land? Right. And it wasn't even the fact that they, them giving... I've heard many a sermon where they should have given it all it wasn't the fact that they held some of it back that wasn't the sin right the sin was the lying about it the fact that they could have simply sold it and given a portion of it and said no we retained part of it right okay but instead they said yep this is all we got this is all we still have some yeah but you have lied you know and we're guilty of that right i love my church, I love I love pursuing the lost, but I'm going to spend more money at Starbucks than I will giving to the homeless ministry, you know, at the church. Or I will spend more at McDonald's throughout the week than I would about the family that's, you know, the man just lost his job at at church and he can't feed his family you know the analogies go on and on and on but i don't even know if analogies are the right right way to say that i mean those are all true statements that really occur in our own churches all the time yeah but i mean the reason that we're even saying we should follow through these things is because god owns everything we do yeah Psalm 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
or in Exodus 19.15, all the earth is mine. Job 41.11, whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, he created everything with just words. And he is the one who existed before and will continue to exist no matter what. One of the whole reasons we were placed here on earth was to have dominion. Mm-hmm. And he's given us dominion over what he has created Yeah, to make us stewards. Of- Our whole life is to be stewards. Right. We think of stewardship as a negative thing so often, and yet it was part of God's plan from the very beginning. Absolutely. And, you know, I think of the new heavens and the new earth. I don't think people think we're just going to be fat babies playing on harps and clouds, but um, stewardship is still in the new heavens and new earth. Right. Like, it's still part. I mean, even when I think about it, I kind of think back to how Israel was kind of set up in the land of Canaan how God had given each tribe its own land and then even had a way set up for when people would become slaves of other owners, right? Mm-hmm. Like at the end of 49 years, I think, yeah. during the year of Jubilee is when people were supposed to be allowed to let go and have their land reclaimed mm-hmm. if they had sold it. Or had given it away in slavery kind of idea. It's pretty big. (laughs) You get back what you gave. Right. It's really does kind of just stem from that first commandment of placing, of not pursuing God in his rightful spot. And I really like this question that Donald Whitney asked. It says, so the question is not how much of my money should I give to God, but rather how much of God's money should I keep for now? Yeah. It's a blessing from him. It's his money. We're his. We should pursue his interests. It shouldn't be our interests. That's a huge like perspective change. Mm-hmm. and it kind of makes me think of like I did a training session the other day and we kind of looked over like what words to use and not use in like a sales approach like there's words that you want to use and words that you don't mm-hmm. like kind of want to steer away from I guess because you don't think of like the difference and how they actually change a person's viewpoints on mm-hmm. things this is going to be really expensive. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> <laughs> That's probably not a word you want to say. Right. Or instead of telling them no, I mean, you want to try to find a different way to say that. New. Nice. But, I mean... Or instead of using, like, mechanic, use technician. Yeah. Because, I mean, mechanic has one idea in your mind, and then technician has a different... Specialty. It seems special, like a specialist. Right. I mean, we don't think about the words 
that we use and how they have different viewpoints. Mm-hmm. And there's better ways to phrase things. But I don't even know where I was going with that <laughs> Oh. But when we think of this question, like we need to change our viewpoint like this of realize that everything is God's on earth. Yeah. And that the resources that we are given come from God in the first place. And we can easily so get caught up in saying, Lord bless this food and nourish from our bodies and thank you for giving it to us. But mm-hmm. in all reality, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And size of it becoming a repetitive motion, we need to try to keep that perspective fresh. That really is God's blessing. It really is his food that he has blessed us with. Right. I mean, even in the time of where we get to fellowship at church mm-hmm. with other people, I mean, we're not just there to look good in front of the public. No, we're there because God has blessed us by giving us his son to die on the cross or else Mm -hmm. we're there for nothing. Mm -hmm. And then the other people are there because God has worked in their hearts to bring them here to this point and done a mighty work in their lives Mm -hmm. to bring them there. I mean, you don't get to always hear everybody's testimonies in a church. No. And maybe that's one of the issues we have is we don't, take the time to learn how people have gotten to that point. You mean we're not good stewards of Christ's body? We're not good stewards of relationships. We like to stay in our own cliques. We do. And we like to learn one or two people's how they've gotten there. Like, I know how you came to Christ just a little bit. I think you know how I came to Christ. I don't know. I feel like we've talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a few years. Yeah. But I mean I did give a sermon over mine, so Yeah. It is it is public. And I've given one about mine before a long time ago when I first started preaching. But it's really so important that we do take that time of not just time and money, but how we spend investing in the other people of our church Mm -hmm. spend time investing in our own families i mean that's one of the biggest parts of the great commission is making disciples Mm -hmm. i mean baptizing them and getting them to repent are all good things but there's also this time of investing and teaching them everything that god has commanded us yeah but before we get on to that rabbit trail anymore let's kind of go back to where we're going over money so one thing that he said to me said to me eh, that he said was giving really should be planned yeah it shouldn't be so spontaneous all the time when it comes to money right and there's a quote by by George Mueller. If you if no one knows the story of George Mueller, you should really go. You should really go listen to it. It was quite fantastic. And he says, "Are you giving systematically to the Lord's work, or are you leaving it 
to feeling to impression made upon your made upon you through particular circumstances or to striking appeal if you do not give from principle systematically we shall find that our one brief life is gone before we are aware of it and that in return we have done little for that adorable one who brought us who bought us with his precious blood and to whom belong all that we have and are if we go into to Christ if we go into our life and we think that we're just going to give sporadically give when we feel like it give whenever we feel the urge we'll probably realize that we will never truly give instead we will look up our navel and think we will give but we'll never actually do it uh it's like the honeydew list if the list isn't in front of you you'll never actually do the list you'll just kind of say hey i'll get to that one day yeah sorry i stepped away to go get a drink of water my mouth was really dry mine too we had expressos more to talk about this quote they quotes from wayne watts while researching the biblical principles of giving i considered the subject of worship frankly i had never before studied worship in detail to find out god's point of view I have come to the conclusion that giving along with our Thanksgiving praise is worship. In the past, I made pledges to my church to be paid on a yearly basis. Once a month, I would write a check while in church and drop it in the collection plate. Sometimes I would mail a check from my office. My objective was for the church to get the total pledge before the end of the year. Though I had already experienced the joy of giving, the act of making my gift had little relationship to worship. While I was writing this book, God convicted me to begin giving every time I went to church. The verse that spoke to me about this was Deuteronomy 16.16. Do not appear before me empty-handed. When I started doing this, if a check was not handy, I gave cash. First, I thought about keeping up with the money given. Then God convicted me again. He seemed to say, you don't need to keep up with the amount of cash. Give to me simply out of a heart of love and see how much you enjoy the service. May this change in my giving habits and has greatly enhanced my joy in our worship service. I mean, we think about that too with that honey to-do list. Mm-hmm. My wife doesn't really have a ton of those for me, thank goodness, because I am not a handyman really at all. But, I mean, how easy is it to see how our service and love go hand in hand? I mean, We do service at a job that we don't love. I mean, it becomes a jury duty. Mm, It becomes a chore. Right. But if we do it at something we do love, how fast does it seem to make the time go go by? Mm -hmm. Think of it like a roller coaster. Spend a lot of money to get in the roller coaster, into the amusement park, but it never, the roller coasters are never that long. But if you add it up, sometimes they're like a minute, and that's fairly long. It's a long roller coaster, but it seems like a second. All right. Here's the plan is we go and we sell our houses or you sell your house and we all buy an RV together and we go to every amusement park there is. <laughs> I wouldn't get much from my house to make that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get <laughs> you wouldn't get anything. <laughs> We'd just be cramped in one RV driving around. Yep. We'd make it to Oklahoma before we'd be broke. Nah, man. So 
we would get on the side of the road. Okay, that's going into some banter we don't even <laughs> need to talk about. <laughs> yeah. But I think it shows how interesting that how Wayne Watts decided to plan every week mm-hmm. to make a change of how he give to worship. And how much that actually changed how he worshiped in the church. Gave out of a free and loving heart and not a compulsion. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful thing. Right. Because I've heard a lot. um, I think he put it well because there's so many times I I get the tithing and it needs to be a tenth. But at the same time, I feel I've always felt like you say a tenth would it feels like you're you're setting a bar like no i have to give this much and that's the only thing that we send to grab from the old testament and say no it has to be this way well no not necessarily i mean it's a guide mark yes but we should also just give right just give out of what we feel like you, i feel like if you're keeping track of your checkbook when it comes to giving to god you know it's you are weighing the benefits of God. Yeah. And, I mean, even imagine the people who give their resources, right? But sometimes the things we don't think about is how much time people give to do those ministries in the church. Yeah. I mean, I don't say this to make pastors pat themselves on the back or anything like this, but I know of pastors who give 60 hours a week to doing ministry stuff. Yeah. And church members still feel like they're owed, that it's owed to them for the pastor to do that. Yeah. Like I should, I should get it regardless. Right. Yeah. I mean, not saying that that's always a good thing. But I know that there are pastors, plenty of pastors in situations like that. Yeah. I can think of all the time that me and you have spent doing stuff in church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I know probably between the two of us, oh, I easily spend, now I'm bivocational, but easily spend 25, just 25 hours a week at church. Yeah. Doing ministry-related ministry things. Yeah. Um, that's not including prep, sermon prep, or, or study time. Oh, that's not including study no. time? I'm nowhere near that then. No. That's... I mean, let's see. I have to put myself around 10 hours I spend at church. I mean, if you think about it, there's get church in between 8.30 to 9 on Sundays, and volunteering there till about the end of church, which is around noon. Mm-hmm. And then can spend anywhere from three to four hours on Wednesday night studying. And then Wednesday night can be there from six to nine o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, already that's 11 hours. Yeah. It but goes fast. Not saying that just like to pat myself on the back, like I'm just trying to put into perspective, yeah, like 
how much time people can spend and don't really see that time that's spent there. Mm-hmm. And I know that the way I teach does not show that I spent that much time. <laughs> I don't know about that. Looking at that stuff. It's like three hours and you still only ask those simple questions. <laughs> it's, yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. But it's just really shows how important managing time, managing resources, and even stewardship is and how much of a big part of it is of our lives and we don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think even look at a normal work day. Mm-hmm. I mean, I work from 7.30 to 5 o'clock, 5.30 at the latest sometimes. But in that time, my daughter usually goes to bed about 8. Yeah. 8 o'clock. Two and a half hours during the week most of the time to see my daughter and spend mm-hmm. any time with her whatsoever. Yep. Or then five and a half to spend with my wife and my mm-hmm. family as a whole. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like a lot, but in reality of things, like it's not at all because sometimes you have to plan on hey, this is me cooking dinner or this is her mm-hmm. cooking dinner or this is her finishing up something she was doing. Mm-hmm. Or doing laundry or doing X, Y, Z or right. whatever else that cuts into that time. That's not all those hours just sitting around. That's just life. Yeah. It's just life. And you put that in comparison to, let's say, how you spend your time at church Kind of can weigh, yeah. I, you know, I, I spent a lot of time there. Yeah. But how does that all reflect on how much we spend in faith? Mm. Like we talk about how much time we spend at church, or even how much we've given towards offering and other things. I mean, how much does it show our dependence upon God? And sometimes we don't really think about that when Mm -hmm. we're giving. Yeah. We just kind of give because someone else is giving or we feel as if it's the right thing to do. But how does that relate to us trusting in God? Right. And I kind of see along those lines of when we're thinking about tithing like that, of where tithing sets the bar at specific point but it doesn't really reflect mm-hmm. I mean let's think about the story of Mark twelve forty one through 44 Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box many rich people put in large sums and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins which make a penny and he called his disciples to him and said to them, truly I say to you this poor widow has put more than all those who are contributing to the offer box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Mm-hmm. She gave not out of her abundance, but out of what she had. It wasn't a surplus. It wasn't like, hey, I have an extra 200 bucks laying around. I guess I'll donate 50 bucks today. Right. And I understand that passage is judgment on the Jewish leaders. Yes. But it does, and it, it speaks to her faith and trusting in God 
for that, uh, she gave out of a love, regardless of what she had. Right. And today, I see so many people, when it comes to financially, and I will speak spiritually or, or, or servitude, serving as a sign of stewardship, that they'll say, I don't have time for XYZ. I don't have time to do to do any type of ministry in the church. Right. To help at all in any capacity. Well, <laughs> I always think, well, you don't have time, but everything that we just talked about. Right. I mean, it really puts in perspective of how much time and even giving that we got to learn how to be sacrificial and generous with it. I mean, you think of second Corinthians eight, eight, one, five of when Paul is telling how Christians in Macedonia sacrificed to give to Jerusalem mm-hmm. during, I'm pretty sure that it's during a drought or something or famine. Famine. Yeah. He says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this is not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. I mean, there's important keys there. Macedonians, still in their poverty, still gave beyond their means. Mm-hmm. Or even thinking about, like, I had it, and it's gone. Your thought is but a vapor. Thought is but a vapor. Gone. Here for a second, and then gone. Yeah. But, oh, it's going to show it with the caveat of we're not saying this because you give this much to God and he's going to bless you back with yeah. that same amount of money and make it a Job situation or a, get some blessing of some kind of re- yeah, return. This, this is not sowing your seeds of faith so that you God owes you something later. Right. That's not the purpose of why we're saying give sacrificially and generously. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to get in that mindset. Um, I want to make sure that the reason that we're doing this is because we're doing it out of the love and care. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the main things I really have to learn in my life a lot is not doing the teaching and doing this just because I want to be noticed. I want to be known, Mm -hmm. but Really doing it because out of a genuine love yeah. to know more and mm. I just want to become a better Christian in yeah. the first place. One of the most humbling and yet uh, I guess just wonderful blessings that we have as Christians that we get to not only grow um, ourselves, but God uses us as a vessels to help others grow through our servitude, through our giving. God uses us. He uses other people to sharpen us to be better Christians 
and he uses, hopefully, I hope, us in the same way to help others in those serving moments. You know, I, I think it's a wonderful thing. Yeah. I think it really kind of points to how important this all is to the Christian life. And I know that we're kind of hitting a long time on this podcast here and not looking <laughs> like we're very good stewards of our time to this point. But this is a really weighty subject and weighty moment. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that we don't talk about enough. And granted, I don't even think about it enough. I'm guilty of it. I don't either. Right. And it's something important that is even to think about because, I mean, at some point in both of our lives, we thought about dedicating full-time ministry. Mm-hmm. And being able to stewardship with our families and stuff is the most important part before we can even go and lead a church like that. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, Colton's in a closer position than I am at that right now, but this is a truly reviewing moment for both of us. Yeah. It's the pulling back of the covers to say, where are your hands? Right. Or let's even think about what Jesus says here in Luke sixteen ten through 13. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Mm-hmm. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? If you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's sobering to know that you see so many fingers pointing back at yourself. I've seen so many Christians throughout my small walk on this this earth that you can see their time management, their servitude hasn't been there, does not match up with their professions. And it's sobering for me, just in the position I'm in, to sit back and go, where is my servitude? Where is my stewardship? Where is my time? How am I managing everything? Will in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, what will be the inheritance that is left behind? Will it be one of he served his time faithfully? When I go... And stand before my Lord. Is he going to say, good and faithful servant, you were faithful with little? Or is it going to be, you wicked servant? Mm -hmm. You know, I had given you and you squandered it. You did nothing. I've said it once and I think it's still sobering. When you, we, we all, like you mentioned, we'll stand before God on Judgment Day to account for our time, but we will account for everything. And we tend to focus so much on the wonderful work and redemption of Christ, which obviously we should, because that is so central to the Christian life and walk. But in reality, even though Christ 
has died for us and we have been washed by his blood, we will still stand before God on Judgment Day. And that is a frightful thing to realize. That again, take your take Christ out of the equation for a second and realize that you on your own accord will stand before God on Judgment Day and give an account for every single moment of your life. Every idle word, every despicable thought, every time that you could have served that you didn't, every selfish action, you will answer for God in that situation. Now as Christians, we can thank God that we are hidden in Christ. But that doesn't mean that we somehow don't have to get that account. We will stand before God, and we will be held accountable for our actions. Mm -hmm. And what will God say with you on Judgment Day? I know he's going to say some pretty hurtful things to me, because they're well-deserved. And I know I will stand there like Job, because that's the only thing. I sit in sackcloth and ashes. I have nothing to say to you. (laughs) What can I say? Yeah. My hand is over my mouth. Or I pray that it, at least I'm like Isaiah. Yeah. I am a man of unclean lips, of a people of unclean lips. Yeah, I, I hope maybe I can muster those words. But I realize that whatever he says is just and true and, despic- and I am despicable. But I really hope that list is a lot shorter <laughs> than what it could be. Just even thinking about all these things and even kind of talking about them and bringing them out of Donald Whitney's book kind of really sets a mirror in front of you that you kind of have to look at and Mm -hmm. deal with the ugly side of things. Yeah. I mean, if not, then whoever teaches and says these things and is one of those people who do as I say, not as I do kind of Mm -hmm. ideas, it's not somebody who I want to want to become. No. And, and gonna need a lot of prayers even thinking about these things and being organized and even following through kind of really hit home. And, and there's a lot of good things out of this book that hit home. And even if you don't read spiritual disciplines for the Christian life and you read somebody else's book on spiritual disciplines, you really need to actually let that be a mirror into your life. Mm-hmm. Let scripture be a mirror into your life, as John says, and actually may, let it change your life. Mm-hmm. And granted, that real change starts with God and Him working with salvation into your life. But there's always that part of teaching all that I've commanded you that comes into play. Mm-hmm. And the only way we do that is through spiritual disciplines. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And in order to do spiritual disciplines, we have to be good stewards of our time <laughs> and our money. And it all, they all seem to come back full circle upon themselves. Right. I mean, it's all something that's planned and all that's something that's done diligently. Mm-hmm. But I think at this point in time, we really need to start wrapping up. So guys, <laughs> I really want to thank you for listening to Anchored by Faith. You can find us on most major podcasting sites or find us at anchoredbyfaith.podbean.com. Can you even find us on Twitter at ROM829ABF? Feel free to be on the lookout for our new podcast coming up. Right now, we're getting about one in a month, <laughs> but 
I just want to thank you for listening and taking the opportunity to help us and hopefully we help you to be conformed to the image of God because that's the goal here. And I hope and pray that you get as much out of this as we do. So my name is Logan Battisti. And my name is Colton Wright. Thanks for listening, guys. And God bless. Thank you.